Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. He did not sin. And you see, this morning, I don't know if you saw the video that we posted on our Facebook page, but I, I said that we would be speaking about how Jesus was rejected and betrayed. And oftentimes in life, we have those same feelings and we experience those same things. Uh, rejection, betrayal, abandonment, abuse even. This morning, in the time that we have, I want to unpack that for you. And I want you to understand that Jesus came to relate to you and to me. And so when we read this in Hebrews 4.15, we have this high priest of ours and he understands our weaknesses. Why? For he faced all of the same testings we do. So you see, Jesus had to walk this earth just like you and me. He understands what we go through in life. He understands how its relationship is not easy. It's difficult. He understands that. He grew up. He was born. You know, he must have been a kid running around. Sometimes I get mad at my kids because they don't always listen. But Jesus was set apart on mission. He, he was about his father's business as we read in the word. And Jesus experienced everything that you and I faced. And with leading up to his crucifixion, we see his ultimate rejection, abuse, and betrayal. And so Judas, one of his disciples, one of the twelve, one of the close ones to him, Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Peter, another disciple who wrote several books also in the New Testament, Denied him three times, even when a little girl asked him, aren't you one of the ones that were close with him? He's like, me? No, no, not me. No, 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 that's not me. It must have been someone else you saw. And that's Peter. So Peter even denies Jesus. And then the Jewish leaders, and by the way, Jewish, Jesus was Jewish. It's not a secret. And the Jewish leaders sentenced him to death as they shouted, crucify him crucify him and literally Jesus was rejected by his own by his own people as they shouted that and so then we find in Luke 22 verse 63 to 65 the guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him they blindfolded him and said prophesy to us they were mocking him by saying that who hit you that time Can you tell? And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. Then John 19 verse 2 goes on to say, They pressed a crown of thorns into his head. And then in verse 3 of John 19, He was mocked and slapped even in the face. And then finally we get to Luke 23 verse 33 to 34. And here's what it says as they were leading him to the cross. Of Calvary, when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And verse 34 says this Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes. By throwing dice. You see, this morning, I would like to explore some of Jesus' last words um, leading up to his death on the cross. And here's one of them. And in so doing, we will encounter his unconditional love, 
and be reminded of the significant meaning of the resurrection power of Jesus. You see, the same power that lives in every believer also lives inside of him. What lived in him was now made available to us. And this is the power that we have. And so his words that were spoken, Father, forgive him, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. Think about that. These soldiers, we believe, scholars believe that those words that Jesus prayed out to the Father were not directed to the Jewish leaders and everyone else, but directed immediately to those who are putting the nails in his hands and into his feet. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. I don't know about you, but after all of that beating, that shame, that abuse, what word would come out of your mouth in that moment as every strike would cause more pain? As you're hung with a group of criminals on your right and on your left, one there and one there. And yet Jesus, in the midst of this, one of his final words as we look at the first one is, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the forgiveness that we find in the cross of Jesus. Can somebody say amen if you know it for your own life and for yourself? You see, it's an interesting phrase. It's also a similar prayer which was echoed in Acts chapter 7 verse 60 by Stephen. Stephen was one of the disciples and he was martyred for his faith in Jesus, for believing. And as he was, uh, they were hurling stones at him, he basically said, said, Father, don't charge this sin against them. And I thought, wow, what beautiful words to say as your life is about to end, as people are killing you, there's a forgiveness that comes, and it's a deep forgiveness when it comes from Jesus. You see, I know people in, in real life who have a hard time forgiving even a brother, blood brother, born from the same mother, and they quarrel. There's, they can't get along. They just see everything at different perspectives and levels. There's no peace in that home. What's amazing is the measure that I've been forgiven, now I am able to forgive someone else. You see, without the forgiveness of God for your own life, it'll be hard to understand and be able to forgive an offense. And I know people who are very bitter and who, who can never forgive and move on. They just stay right there. And every time they see that person, it's like, and they storm off because they can't deal with it. I want you to know today that as Jesus was being nailed to the cross, he knew that it wasn't the soldier's fault. They were just following orders. But Jesus also knew something, that he had to die on that cross. Why? So that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. You see, as Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. By the same token, he knew that he had to die so that forgiveness could be extended to you and to me. Can somebody say amen? I'm thankful for the forgiveness that I have in Jesus. And how does he respond then by saying that? Love. His response to all that hate, all that abuse was simply love. You see, love is not a reaction, but a response. It is not by chance, it's by choice. 
Love is our response. Love is our response. You see, you can throw a bag of excuses as to why you cannot forgive. But I want to submit to you this idea that love is always a choice. I choose to love my wife, even when it hurts. <laughs> even when we argue at the end of it, I, I, for me, I'm very quick to say, Priscilla, I love you. And she's like, oh, okay. I, I love you too. <clears throat> I love you too. I say thanks. I receive that love. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. It's not by chance. Oh, yeah, I love you. It just kind of, we fell in, in love. No, no, no. It was by choice. And I give the rest of my life to you, Priscilla, in the same way. Jesus loved you and me so much that he gave his life. The Bible describes this picture as a husband and a wife, that he is the groom, the bridegroom, and the church is the bride of Christ. So literally, he laid down his life for, for his bride. So you are God's prized possession. Did you know that? You are God's prized possession. You're the bride of Christ. And one day, he's going to come back for his church, for his bride, because he's a faithful husband. And so to understand how Jesus could answer like that, because it's great to know the love is a choice, but how do you achieve that? How do you get to that point personally? Maybe you have that question. But so to understand how Jesus could answer like that, we must understand his character and his nature. And it's summed up in one word, humility. Humility. This is who Jesus was. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23 and 24 says this. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. It's not in my notes, but I just want to say this. Whenever you're dealing with something that you feel you're a victim of, here's what I, I encourage you to do. Give it to God. And you say, Lord, you can fight my battle for me. And I choose love, yes, but now I leave everything in your hands. And that's exactly the pattern we see Jesus doing here. So he, in, he left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. So don't worry. God is, is a good judge. Verse 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. Why? So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. So maybe you're here. Maybe you've been living a promiscuous life. Maybe uh, you've been dabbling in dirty sin. Perhaps you've fallen so far and so deep that you don't even know what you're doing anymore. And you're just like, I have no idea how I wandered and got this far from maybe a truth I once knew. I think Jesus' words are still echoing through the hallways of history to meet you today wherever you're at. He died on the cross. Yes, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Maybe you're here, you don't know what you're doing. Know that Jesus died on the cross for your forgiveness to bring you home again. And so number one, as we look at the final word, is Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And number two is this short phrase, it is finished. And we want to look at that in John chapter 19. And we're going to look at and consider why Jesus said that. 
Because that's where the power lies in understanding why he said that. And so what it says in beginning at verse 28, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. Did you hear that? He knew that his mission was now finished. So he was on mission. He wasn't just around. He was actually here for a cause. He was actually here for a purpose. Jesus was on mission. And so it goes on to say, to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. So notice, Jesus has the same needs that you and I have. After I preach a Sunday morning service, I need to down a bottle of water. Because I just gave everything I had. And so Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Identifying with our human nature. Verse 29 says, a jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked the sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. And here it is in verse 30. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. See, I grew up in a French province of Quebec, and I remember in grade seven, I, I started in English school up until grade six. In grade seven, everything switched to French immersion for me so that I could learn the, the language that I had to, for work purposes. And I remember I finished my test and uh, I was in school and I was, I was like brand new to me, speaking only French. So I said to my teacher, Madame, je suis fini. And my teacher looked at me and she goes, no, no, no. J'ai fini. And I said, I, I, like both sounded right to me. She goes, no, je suis fini means like I'm finished. And I said, oh, yeah, no, I'm not finished. I finished my test. So I gave it to her and she said, j'ai fini. So I never forgot that. I'm, I am finished, not like, I am finished. In English, they sound the same. You say the same word. So j'ai fini. Jesus didn't use his last breath, though, to say, I am finished. Notice, he didn't say, I am finished. And then he released his spirit. Rather, it is finished. You see, his mission was complete. We, when we read through the life of Jesus, we understand that he had 30 years of preparation for three years of public ministry for three days of purpose. Three days of purpose. And what were they? Well, he died on Good Friday, as we call it. And then three days later, he rose again. So that was the purpose of Jesus coming to earth. Why? So he could be the Savior. You see, death wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. The resurrection wasn't for Jesus' sake. Jesus' resurrection was for you and for me. That's why he actually rose again. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever would believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. That was why Jesus chose to die and resurrect again, so that we might live with him forever. Hebrews 10 verse 12 says, But our high priest, again, Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. So this sacrifice of Jesus who died on the cross, it was done once. But it's good for all time. It's once and for all. You see, 
If you read through Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, you would understand and it explains that there was a sacrificial system, the old covenant that God put in place. Now this, you can get lost in the technicality of everything. So I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. Basically, God set up a system in the Old Testament before Jesus came. And he said, in order to be forgiven of your sins, his people Israel, he said there has to be the shedding of blood. So they would kill animals and offer them as sacrifices. And and the priest would take care of that. And then the Bible says only the high priest could enter the holy of holies or the most holy place And that's where atonement would be made. And what they had to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And what was interesting was it wasn't once and for all. They had to do this time and time again every year. And here was the problem. Imagine if you had to go and ask for forgiveness in that way every single year. But it never solved the problem of sin in your life. It would just remind you. That I have an issue and sin is the issue. And every year I have to go and deal with it. God, when Jesus came, put into effect a new covenant. And what that new covenant did was Jesus was the lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was slain for the sins of the world. And there was blood, the shedding of blood. The Bible says in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So when Jesus died on the cross, you have to understand the significance when you understand the Old Testament and the old sacrificial system. Because God was now saying, listen, what you used to have to come and do every single year that only reminded you of how much of a sinner you are, now once and for all I'm going to deal with the root problem, which is sin and your tendency towards it. And I'm going to break the power of sin, the curse of sin that has been on your life since Adam. Now you can live a new life, a fresh and a new. You don't have to no longer be a slave to sin because you're raised to life again as a new creation in Jesus. Can somebody say amen? And see, that's what he has done for you and for me. And it's once and for all. He doesn't have to die on the cross every time Jonathan messes up. No, I thank him for the finished work of the cross. I've repented of my sins and I live every day for my Savior. Guess what? I don't do it alone. I have power that helps me. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Why? Because the curse of sin has been broken in my life. The moment I said yes to Jesus. The moment I said yes. I don't have to be a slave to anything else. And I know that people are slaves to alcohol, to drugs, pornography. You're unfaithful in your marriage. That's sin. That's missing the mark. When I got married to Priscilla, back to the marriage, I said, I give you my all till death do us part. It doesn't mean I start. I have wandering eyes for other women. No. You have my affection. You have it all. And that's what it is. So understand today, you don't have to live as a slave to sin. Because Jesus died to set you free. And that's the power of the cross. You see, he said, it is finished. It is finished. See, because of the finished work of the cross, Jesus is our resurrection and our life. He's our redeemer. He paid the ultimate price for our sins. Jesus is our savior. Because of the finished work of the cross, Jesus is the name above all names. He's our healer. 
He is our chain breaker. It is finished once and for all. And that's why the cross has the final word. Romans chapter 6 says this. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the final word. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.